You're listening to Firm Up, the fermented food podcast where we get together every week to discuss anything and everything fermented. This is episode 92. I'm your host, Brandon, and this week I have special guest, Lita Scheintaub, and she has written a wonderful book, Cultured Foods for Your Kitchen. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Nice to be here. This book is is beautiful, for one. It's a nice hardcover book. You've written other books, though. What got you into doing this book on fermentation? Well, I've been experimenting with fermentation for about a decade and a half. I, I started with kefir ab- about 15 years ago, back when I was living in New York City. I, I live in, in Vermont now. And kefir was an easy entry into the world of fermentation because it's so easy to make. Just put the, the starter into your milk culture it overnight and strain it and you have kefir. And I got so excited by that, that I could be a home fermenter just like that. And I didn't need a big apartment. I didn't need special equipment. And I started experimenting with other ferments and I figured out what was best for my lifestyle. The big sauerkraut crock was really didn't fit into my urban lifestyle, having a lot of equipment in the in the small apartment. And so I, even 15 years ago, when people weren't so into fermentation yet, the revival wasn't quite taking, there were still a lot of ferments that you could get. I, I lived near the Union Square Farmer's Market, and I would I would shop for, for sauerkraut there, my favorite vendor. And I, I've always been incorporating different flavors into my recipes. So I'm always looking for new flavor frontiers. And fermentation was just the thing because all the flavors, the, the salty, sour, tart, it just adds so much to your cooking. So that it, it was health. Sure. The kefir was made me feel good. And that was really clear. Um, but it's so much more than just health, the flavor fl- frontiers. It's just amazing what, what it does to your cooking. Well, I think that's a d- differentiator I find with uh, some people are, are more drawn for the health reasons, some for the delicious aspect, and of course, uh, many people for both. But would you say that your book leans more towards the deliciousness and focusing on flavor? I would say so, yeah. like People have been, lately they've been calling my book a, a coffee table book on fermentation, which, yeah, w- I went with Rizzoli as a publisher, and they're known for their they're beautiful photography and um, just coffee table type books. And they, they really wanted to make this an art um, to bring out that aspect of, of fermentation because there are a lot of amazing books on the health aspects of fermentation and um, that I'm not an expert on. I'm, I'm very into health. I, I've been exploring health my whole life, but on uh, different dietary forays, but what really excites me most and what I really wanted to focus in on with the book is the deliciousness because I'm a professional recipe writer and I've written a lot of, of books with other people and I, I know how to write a recipe really well that pe- people will understand. So that was what drove me to write this book is to, to, to get that across to people that this, that you can you can ferment at home. It's easy, and it's easy to incorporate the ferments into your everyday food. And you don't even have to make them yourself. You can also you can also buy them. And I give tips for for buying live ferments and making sure that you're buying the live ones. Well, and when you say uh, I hear coffee table book, and I think of something that's oh, it's pretty to look at. But I also want to just emphasize. I mean, these these recipes are very approachable. Like you're kind of kind of showing like it's not something to just sit on a coffee table and look pretty. Like it's definitely something 
to use. With these different recipes, did you lean towards any kind of specific culinary traditions or did you kind of just start using it, like focus on, okay, I'm, I have a tart or sour flavor here. What could that go into? How did you approach this? Well, I, I have a, an inclination toward Indian food because we'll get to that in a little bit. But um, my husband is from India and we do a lot of Indian cooking here. So there's a, a, lot, a lot of uh, Indian influence in the recipes and overall Asian influence that the, those are the recipes that I like the most. And those really take toward the, the, those flavors. And, um, and some, some recipes were recipes like um, that would be a, a, a traditional recipe, but it had sur- sur- somehow gotten away from the traditional way of doing it, like um, a giardiniere, I, I don't pronounce that so well, the Italian pickled condiment um, with the cauliflower and peppers, and that's used as a, a, a condiment for hot dogs. And so I brought that back to original way of doing it, which is a, a lacto-fermentation. Um, and and so it's a really a, a mix of different cultural influences and just recipes from my own creation and really um, things that I, I dreamt up of. Like literally I would dream of recipes and I would write them down when I'd wake up and uh, a, lot of, a lot of different influences going on in my head that I, that I brought together in the book. Yeah, one of the ones that really stood out to me and I'm actually in the process of uh, – soaking millet at this point so that I can try it for the millet polenta cakes. Um, I, I love the sour uh, millet porridge and I've, I've made that for years, but like seeing it in the cake form, I was like, Oh, that's, that's a great idea. And then you, you add a, a few toppings to that too. Um, was that something that, that came from, is that just one of those that you dreamt up? That um, the, uh, the recipe that yeah, came together as something I dreamt up. I, I saw uh, Sandor Katz has a, um, a millet type polenta instructions in his in his art of fermentation, and I took it off from there and made it into a, a full meal. And and um, uh, yeah, the I've made different sorts of polenta cakes. I've, I've made a, min, a millet polenta cake not fermented a long time ago, so I thought, why don't I incorporate that? I'll just ferment it. And yeah, I've seen your recipe too. I've been wanting to try that your fermented millet you take it quite you, you ferment it for quite a few days right oh yeah yeah i like it i like it nice and yeah. tart uh, yeah i do too so um so that's what yeah. i'm actually doing now and uh, i'd actually had meant to make it for thanksgiving and that just kind of didn't so it's getting more sour now so i'm just uh, uh-huh. going to uh, eventually um get to that one in the next few days but yeah i like it really tart but it, that's a great thing is that um people can go with whatever kind of tart level they want if they're making it at home. Um, and that's what I love about your book is that it really gives me a lot of ideas. Not only is it great, easy to follow recipes, but like it, then it makes me jump off with uh, other ideas. It's like, oh, I, I hadn't thought of using millet as anything but, uh, but porridge. And so now I've got all kinds of ideas. So I, I love that about the book. Yeah. The, um, Sandra Katz, he wrote the forward to the book and he, he, he emphasized that too, that really this can be a starting point for ferments of your own creation, recipes of your own creation that you are inspired to make. And you might want to start following recipes if you're not familiar with either fermentation or you're not 
um, that experience in the kitchen, you can follow them to the letter and then, and then start to relax and really have fun with it and figure out what you like, what you really like and turn the recipes into your own. Now with the, with the front cover, with the, uh, the bright purple, the beets, um, is that something, uh, did you have any choice in that, that front photo? Because I see beets a little bit throughout the book or, or is that just because it's so beautiful? It's because it's so beautiful and it, it was it was between that one and there's another one that's a a pickled baby turnips pink it's hard to say pink pickled baby turnips which is in the front piece of the book um, but we decided to go with the soup because we wanted to really emphasize that the book is about meals that you can really make your ferments into meals and something substantial to eat. And purple is my favorite color. It's always been my favorite color. And I was so thrilled that, that I get this, this really purple theme book, but that's just an aside. So <laughs> yeah, I think, I, I think it works great. And I think it does. Uh, I, I agree that it's very good at um, emphasizing that this is about cooking. This is about using these things and it's, it, it's what first drew me into the book and it, looks delicious. And so with the other thing I really like about the recipes are the, uh, that you have the featured ferments and supporting ferments in your, in your recipes at the top. What was, were you trying to hit a certain quota of different kinds of ferments and things? I mean, I see some of them have one, some of them have multiples. What was the thought behind that? Did you just try and use as many as you could for when it was possible and then not try to when it wasn't? Uh, no, really, the thought was just to be really clear with people. So uh, because I've been writing recipes for a really long time, and I, um, my object is always for people to be able to really understand what they're reading, because that's what I hear the most, com- the biggest complaint about cookbooks from people, that they don't understand the instructions. So I just try to be as clear as possible in, in a fun way that like it's featured ferment and it's get excited about it. And um, so I wrote the recipes first and then I, then I see, okay, what ferments did I use? And I, and I'll write them up there. And so with the, with this experience with, with writing recipes, did I catch that you in previous books, you have collaborated with others. Was this your first one solo or, or had you done other ones? This is my first big one solo. I did a a small book um, called Chipotle all recipes with chipotle chilies a bunch of years ago um, with Paragon Press. And since then, I've collaborated with a a bunch of authors. I've collaborated on a couple of raw food books, one with Carol Alt. She's a a supermodel. And one with Organic Avenue, which is a a small uh, raw foods chain in New York City. I recently wrote recipes for the Orange is the New Black cookbook, and uh, also recently uh, collaborated with Dr. Travis Stork of the Doctor's TV show to do uh, a cookbook. So I've done a, a, quite a diverse variety of, of cookbooks with, with different people. And it's, it's gratifying to help, help people get their voice out, um, working with different ideas and developing recipes and uh, working with a, a whole bunch of different audiences. But this is in my first um, big solo book. And so, how, what is um, what's kind of different about that? Was it was it nice doing the the solo book? I mean, do you have a do you think you have a preference now that you've experienced both? Well, it's I, yeah, I, I like doing my own. <laughs> it's nice to be in charge of your own of your own thing, um, and it's it's 
the most creative. I, I've loved working with all the different people I've worked with. I've been really lucky to have really good people um, who really appreciate me. But it's there's nothing like having your own baby and your own recipes and your your name there. Um, there's nothing quite like that, and I I really like it. <laughs> and I have another book coming out too in in January, so I'm I'm focusing on doing my own books now. My my next book is uh, it's called The Whole Bowl, and it's 50 gluten free and dairy free soups and stews that I I wrote with Rebecca Wood, who who's the author of the Whole Foods Encyclopedia. Now, have you snuck any fermented yeah. foods into that one? Oh yeah, definitely. Okay. <laughs> We've got uh, uh, there's a cultured uh, cashew sour cream that's a favorite in that book. I yes. keep seeing things about uh, cashew non-dairy cheeses, creams, different things like that. Is it really as good as it, it as it sounds? I love cashews. Yeah, it's that one's a really big hit. I bring that to my book signings and different presentations, and everyone seems to love that. The people who are or dairy people, even big dairy people tend to like it too. And I do jumpstart that with probiotics in that it just gives it a really uh, intense, fermenty, cheesy kind of flavor. I'm going to I'm gonna have to try it because I, I love my cheeses and my dairy and I love cashews, but I just always like, yeah, it's just a, it's a makeshift. It's like a fill-in kind of dairy product or, for for dairy, but you know, I, I, it sounds delicious. Yeah, if you get it right, like if you really ferment it like we would, um, I've, I've tasted some brands where it's not tangy and, uh, and then sort of falls short. But if you, really, if you really ferment it for a while and take it to the edge, then it's really delicious. Are there any other recipe, uh, any recipes in this book that you think really kind of stand out that you really think people should try? Well, the one that my husband and I are really proud of is our dosa recipe. And the dosa is a South Indian fermented rice and lentil crepe that millions of Indians eat. And my husband grew up eating them. And we've been making them at home for for a long time. And we've finally written our recipe down. And it's a it's a a pretty it's it's a long recipe, but it's not it's not difficult, but it's it's involves various steps in several days. Um but it's it's a really good recipe, and I would encourage people to try it because you can make a, a big batch of it. You can make a couple of quarts, and it keeps for a couple of weeks, I mean a couple of months, in the refrigerator. So it gets a little bit more fermenty, just a tiny bit over time. And you can make dosas every day for for a couple of months. And it's it's a great gluten-free option, and it's just really delicious and uh, I, that's one of our favorites. And another, another favorite is the ice cream section. Well, it's almost a section. It's in the dessert section. I got so excited about kefir ice cream and coconut kefir ice cream that my editors had to rein me in. They said, okay, enough of these recipes. <laughs> and, uh, I, I have an idea that I might do a book on, on, um, cultured frozen desserts as one of my next projects says kefir takes so well to to frozen preparation and doing frozen yogurt like a real frozen yogurt and uh, using coconut milk kefir as a base for a, a tangy sorbet those are really great 
I am in full support of, of that book. I mean, I'm lactose intolerant, but all fermented dairy I can digest and do fine with. So, you know, there need to be more of those kind of recipes out there. I like that. Yeah. So, and, and back to that dosa thing too. I really liked that, um, that you pointed out because that was what stood out to me in the recipe too. I didn't realize or had never really thought about it too much that I could make the dosa batter in advance. I've always just, when I've made it, I use it. And, yeah, there's a little bit of a step. I do a lot of things that take quite a few steps, but sometimes I just want something that's a little bit easier. And I'm totally fine with doing those steps up front and then being able to enjoy it like for those weeks or months as you're talking about. Yeah, it's really gratifying. And um, we we wanted to talk about Dosa Kitchen a little too, right? My Oh, definitely. Our- well, yeah, exactly. I mean, <laughs> like, tell us about it. Ver- Vermont's only South Indian eatery. What What is this? What's, what's right. this thing you got going on? It's based in Brattleboro, Vermont. It's in southern Vermont, and it's a food truck, and it's dedicated to our favorite ferment, the dosa. And uh, we just opened, my husband, he's Nash Patel, and I we opened this summer, and it's dosas from scratch and different curries that go with the dosas. And we have a, we use as much local produce as possible. We we always use free-range meats. Um, we have a strong ethic about that. And we basically, it's food that we want to eat, really good quality, nutritious food, but that's also really flavorful. And with a really big emphasis on fermentation, not only the dosa, but we have, I make my own sauerkraut for the truck and uh, we make a kale salad, kale and sauerkraut salad. So we rub the the kale with the sauerkraut and people don't even necessarily know that there's sauerkraut in it. So people who don't think they like sauerkraut even like it. And that, that one's a, a, been a big hit and we serve that on the side of the curries. And the one that um, we were talking about before that you were excited about is the dosa dog, which is a, a local organic beef and pork hot dog that's wrapped in a thick dosa and we put on uh, a cultured mustard that I make and the sauerkraut, hot sauce, and, and cheese, and we wrap that up in the dosa. And that's, that's our, our signature product, and that's a really delicious one. People have been enjoying it a lot lately. We're, we're set up for the, the winter farmer's market in Brattleboro. The truck is closed for the, the season because it's, it's already snowed here and it's pretty cold. Um, but people have been really enjoying the dog. Okay, so you are you don't use the truck obviously in the winter, but you are still open in the winter. Yeah, at the Saturdays at the Winter Farmers Market, it's an indoor market, and uh, doing things like catering and a lunch delivery, a lunch pickup service here. And we're also starting work on a Dosa Kitchen cookbook. Ooh, that sounds. Uh, and and will it be highlighting the Dosa Dog in that as well? Yes, <laughs> definitely. Yes. Uh, that sounds that sounds delicious. And when I looking at the website, it really uh, everything you kind of laid out with the the quality of the ingredients, the uh, what you're looking for in the meat that you're getting, is that common in your area for different ethnic cuisines to have that kind of focus on on food. Because that's generally like, that's the hard thing for me a lot of times. While I usually am going to cookbooks and researching online to try and do different, uh, different cuisines because the ones that are necessarily available, we've got great restaurants here in, in Madison, Wisconsin, but sometimes the quality of the ingredients, like I don't really know, like that's not the emphasis. The emphasis is on the quality of the, the finished product, but like you seem to be focusing the entire line. Is that common in your area? 
No, it's not. Unfortunately, I, I, it's a little frustrating, and that's one of one of the inspirations for opening the truck is that, like I said, we we this is how we want to eat. So, I I had to stop complaining about how I can't get get food like that here and just do it myself. Um, at the farmers market, we have uh, pretty strict standards for what can be served, and there's we the different vendors are required to use local produce and um, good quality meat. So that's nice if you come to the winter farmer's market on a Saturday. But restaurants, um, it's just like anywhere else, really. The people go for the ethnic food, and they... It's generally the the factory farm meat and no no local produce, um, so that that hasn't really hit the the ethnic world yet, and I hope it will. I hope that's the next big trend because I, I get frustrated myself because I'm from New York City and whenever I come go back home, I I'm vegetarian again because I I won't eat the meat if it's not if it's not a good quality non factory farm meat. So hopefully that's the next frontier. Yeah, because there are some delicious foods that could totally be converted over to that way, and I think uh, I would I would be in full support of that and eat a lot more out than I do now. So yeah, um, and it, and Dosa Kitchen sounds like a place that I would I would totally love to eat at. And so for anyone that maybe isn't familiar, um, South Indian eatery. So it's the only one. Is it? Are there other Indian restaurants in the area? And this is the only Southern one, or what? What differentiates it? There are very few Indian restaurants actually in Vermont. It's a pretty small state. There are there are a few in Burlington, but that's like two and a half hours from us. There, there's just a handful in the state, um, but it's the only South Indian. And South Indian is um, the difference is there's a more more of an emphasis on coconut and um, fre- it's a, I, I find it a little more fresh tasting. The North Indian has a lot of cream and uh, foods or curries are kind of cooked longer. There's just a more a, a fresh emphasis on the South Indian and, and the dosas. That's that's a big standout in the in South Indian dosas and variations on dosas like idlis, which are little the same batter as the dosas, but they're made, it's made into little dumplings. Um, there's yogurt um, mango lassi. Also, pretty much everything that I think of when I think of fermented things are more southern. Are you saying? Yeah, well, uh-huh. I think I think the lassi is is both uh, in the north also. But yeah, that it's true. The 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 dosas are all South Indian. Yeah, and in the north, and that's it's less so. Oh, see, I I I love this. I learned something new every day. I guess I just. <laughs> I hadn't I hadn't realized that. So and and yeah, dosas are are great and and people definitely need to try the dosa recipe in here and and if anyone is in the area of Vermont or otherwise, definitely go check out the dosa kitchen. Where should people go online for anyone that's maybe not in your area? Where should people go to find out more about you or your book? Lidaskitchen.com, so l e d a s kitchen.com and the dosa kitchen.com is in the works that website. Um, but we have a, a Facebook page for both Dosa Kitchen and and um, for me and for Cultured Foods for Your Kitchen. I have a Facebook page. Yeah, and I'll make sure that all of those end up in the in the show notes. Okay. In closing, do you have any ideas for people? Say for sure, go out and get this book. You'll learn a lot, get a lot of inspiration. But kind of how you were saying that, like Sandra Cat says, this is a good jumping off place. Do you have any words of inspiration? 
offer how people can jump off once they feel comfortable doing different recipes, incorporating fermented foods in their life, where can they jump off next? Like what's, what's the next step? How can people get out there? And, and if they're always comfortable with recipes, how can they free themselves and, and try new things? Yeah, that's a great question. So just flipping through the book, what's coming to me is say I have a, a salad, a bunch of salads in this, in the book. I'm, my editors are really encouraging me. You, people li- love recipes for salads and, and it's true and they're, they're great recipes, but you don't have to follow the recipes. Um, you can, but once you're comfortable, take like, like I was mentioning about the kale and sauerkraut salad, start with some kale or another green, add some sauerkraut or pickled beets, pickled carrots, any kind of ferment that you like, even dill pickles, that makes a great salad. Um, toss them together take some of the the juice from the pickles and mix it with with some olive oil and some garlic or whatever seasonings and then you have a salad dressing and that, there you go you have a salad of your own creation that's ferment centered um, a soup you could add some you could same thing you could add some pickle juice instead of lemon for for to give it some pop um, add some some tiny chopped up pickles to the soup and you have a pickle soup, like you don't have to follow my particular pickle soup recipe. Um, say you have some some leftover rice, like we often do in the in the refrigerator. Add some kimchi and cook up a little bit of of ground pork or ground turkey. If you have leftovers from Thanksgiving, um, mix it with a, with some rice and throw in a lot of kimchi. And you have an amazing meal and it's completely different tasting from Thanksgiving. And, and that's, it's so simple. And you have dosa batter. You can have, you can eat anything with dosa batter. My, my brother likes to make tuna fish sandwiches out of it. You can really change the concept of sandwich by stuffing anything into a dosa. Yeah, I mean, I think I think you show that too with the the dosa dog because I'm assuming that's not mm-hmm. say an authentic South Indian kind of meal, is it? Right, right, right. We do definitely take some liberties and have a lot of fun with with our food. Sometimes, yeah, sometimes uh, Indian folks will come. We don't have a lot of Indian people that live in Brattleboro, but people will come in from Boston or or somewhere like that, and they'll they'll come up to our stall and they they're not sure what to make of some of our food. But usually once they taste it, they like it. That's Hey, that's the most important part. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, I think those are some great ideas. And, and again, I think that everyone should get out there, get this book, because it will be a great, not only to follow all the recipes, but like you're saying, all those places that a person can just jump off and riff off, off of your ideas and, and really make some delicious foods. So uh, thanks so much for being on the show. Thanks for having me. It was really fun. Yeah. And so if you would like to find out more again... All of the links will be in the show notes at firmup.com slash podcast slash 92. And you, as always, you can find us on Twitter at FirmUp, on Facebook at FirmUp, and anywhere else at FirmUp. And until next time, FirmUp! <laughs>